Pixar presents comedy event You look gorgeous That takes you to the edge of the universe and beyond 10 seconds to self-destruct You are now free to move around the cabin Disney Pixar's Wally. -E. This film is not yet rated And welcome to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies and video games and those sparks that fly everywhere when you mash those two worlds together. I'm trying to make our uh, uh, tagline here clunkier, slower, and longer. I think that's my goal. <laughs> One of my goals for 2024 is to be worse at everything. That's good. Um, I think I'm off to a really good start. I've been, I've been doing that for years. That's a beautiful goal. I think we so. We all aspire. Well, here's the thing. Anytime I set a resolution for myself, I fail it inevitably. I can usually just like, okay, I put this on the list. That means I'm inevitably not going to do it. So if I say I'm going to get worse at everything I do, put it on the sheet, and then uh, by year's end, we'll see how successful and wealthy see, I am. I usually pick around 13 resolutions, and then I accomplish one. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. You know what? Honestly, that, I think that's a nice way to do it. You just get like a grab bag and you're like, look, I'll be happy if I do any of these dozen. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that arbitrary point in the year where we're just like, oh, we're, we're really going to kill it this year. Like I've got all this momentum and then you know, January I mean, 2nd, I'm done. I think, it's the, I think it's the fact that January has nothing to look forward to. So you're Excuse just like, you kind, me. Of, you kind of just make shit up. You just make it up as it goes. So you're like, oh, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this every day. I'll do yoga every day. Absolutely. I will not run out of uh, steam on any of this at all. You know, well, I, I think the secret habits. though, like, so I've discovered in myself that I can do anything for 30 days. 30 days is like the, the number that I can fucking, I have enough focus to focus on. Okay. After that. Mm, Wild West. Yeah. After that, it's a crapshoot. Pew, yeah. pew, 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 pew. Uh, but 30 days, I, 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 can, I can get things locked down for 30 days. Okay. All right. I've done the 30 day yoga challenge like four or five years in a row. Okay. Um, I always think I'm going to do like NaNoWriMo or something like that, you know, where you, you write a whole yeah. novel in a month and then I, I uh, inevitably never do it. But hey, maybe this is the year. Hope springs eternal. Uh, this is the podcast about movies and video games and the sparks that fly when those worlds collide. I went back and did it better that time. Ooh. Uh, that's right. Uh, my name is Steve Guntley. Who is joining me today? Uh, I'm uh, J-Ban. Welcome. And who else is here? Justin. I, I kind of thought we were already in there. I forgot we kind of skipped it. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> skipped it. You know, I, I, hey, I, another resolution. I'm going loosey-goosey this time. Well, so anyway, that's the so end of our show. So much of this film is silent. So, like, we... <laughs> Wait, it's too bad that we can't just be quiet and just make face, face. <laughs> just make noises at each other because <laughs> the movie we are talking about which we have not even said we're talking about disney and pixar's wally -E from 2008 uh just an absolute gem, a delight of a movie uh, that we actually, uh, a rare thing for us, we all sat down at the same time and watched this movie together, which we, yeah. we, we never really have the time to do. So I'm glad that we found time to watch this one. Um, like, just all in a group. <laughs> it helps Justin that and I have sprawled and like usurped Steve's couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it was you guys sprawled out with dogs like flanking you and then me and Ailish are like on the floor like, <laughs> it's okay, I'm fine. No, I was on the floor voluntarily to be yeah. clear my legs were really sore look you started it on a stool and i was like that's a bold commitment it's it's the it's the commitment of a man who does not quite realize his body is in his forties yet. Like I'm, I'm still kind of thinking I can sit. I like love that. that you're you're forty and like I don't know two weeks and now you're like I'm just gonna say in my forties from now on. I've been excited about it. You know I can say it now. I can say it officially. Yes, I'm I'm in my forties. I'm owning it. I'm deciding this is my decade. 
Uh, much like Wally, who is in his 40s, and he decided this is his decade. Uh, I, I, I tied it all together. <laughs> I don't think seamless. Maybe uh, like his 740s, but yeah, probably, probably. He's he's got a uh, big divorced dad energy, right? Like that's would be funny. Deal. I would love to see like a, a tiny what's it called? Um, like uh, <laughs> a side quest of Wally, like hanging out with vampires or something like that. Oh my god! What? Right? Yeah, like he's got to have had. <laughs> There's some... a couple of movies is like about vampires at the end of the world <laughs> sure oh okay yeah like oh. he, he stumbles upon like an omega man situation and it's just like suddenly he's king of the mutants like i would love that there's a lot of crossover like here's will smith and his dog and then there's wally just rolling across the street you know i mean wally was going for king of the robots a little bit during the movie but yeah a little bit i mean he he was definitely harvesting their corpses to keep himself alive okay so. well after that though he became the hero of the robots oh absolutely and, uh they all uh the that. rogue robots were like you're the leader now i would like to, okay so uh, before we get into the robots because i have a lot to say about the robots okay uh let's start off with wally it starts off as a charming silent film this is one of my favorites. So I will we'll give some context because this is our first Pixar movie that we're talking about. We haven't we, we have so many Disney and Pixar movies coming up, and we've only covered Lilo and Stitch and this so far. So there's still many to look forward to. And there, I, I think I said the same thing on the Lilo and Stitch episode, where like these aren't necessarily the most exciting for me to cover, if only because. A, I know the movies are generally going to be pretty good, and B, I know the games are generally going to be pretty good. Like, there's a quality control level going on with Disney and Pixar stuff that uh, doesn't leave a lot of room for surprise. But I will, I will say, uh, the game surprised me in a couple of interesting <laughs> are, ways. Are we'll we ever going to cover um, uh, the uh, Emperor's New Groove? Yes, we are. I think there's a PS1 game. Yeah, because yeah. like the Emperor's New Groove, like the the story behind the Emperor's New Groove and how it never had a script is just it's a wild story. Like oh, I don't know the story. They, they actually have on uh, YouTube. They have a, a behind the scenes movie that uh, Disney refused to allow to pu be published. Oh wow! It shows what a clusterfuck the production of that movie was. Uh, so anyway, when we get to that, um, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. I'm definitely interested to get into that one. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of these, but I, I think this one surprised me in a lot of ways. And also, it's just, it's never not a pleasure to revisit Wally. -E. I think, you know, we were, I was talking with Ailish off mic about our favorite Pixar movies and like which one would rank where. And this one tends to be in my top one or two. It's either this or Ratatouille, depending on which day you kind of hit Ooh, me with it. Like, uh, um, I don't know. If you guys have a favorite? I like Toy Story 2. Good call. Very uh, good call. But I I don't know. I really, I know it's newer and maybe it's not as classic, but I fucking love Luca. And I cannot okay. wait till it's be, like they're doing a Pixar release of the three movies that uh, came out during the pandemic. And yeah. I am 100% going to watch Luca. And I've seen Luca maybe four or five times. Interesting. Uh, I, I love it so much. I, I That's what I need to revisit because I watched it once. I liked it, but I never really went back to it onward didn't click for me turning red i loved i watched uh, turning I red i like, didn't manage to watch turning red I i've watched turning red like four times you know so of their recent output that's probably my favorite but this movie came out in an era when pixar could kind of do no wrong like pixar <laughs> was sort of on an unbelievable hot streak like your opinion on cars may vary but like if cars the original cars is like the weakest of your original crop of movies you're still doing pretty good i yeah. think nowadays it's a little less consistent like i watched elemental yeah. uh, i thought it was confusing and annoying and just not a very good movie uh, you know, and they've they've been overly reliant on sequels the last couple of yeah. years, which has just been a little bit of a bummer. Like, I can't believe they're doing a sequel to um, uh, Inside Out. Like, I just Look, don't think that I, love I, Inside I, Out. Love Inside I Out. Did. But I really enjoyed Inside Out, but a sequel to Inside Out. I was, but again, I love Toy Story too. So that's the thing. Outside of the Toy Story movies, not the, the sequels have not been terribly successful. I am the world's biggest defender of Monsters University, but I guess it's more of a prequel. <laughs> I haven't seen Monsters University. I kind of love that movie. I, I'm going to defend that one all the way. Justin, do you have a favorite Pixar? Um, I I'm going to preface this by saying that I haven't seen many. Okay. Um. 
my roommates have actually showed me a bunch of them uh, in the last year. Um, Cars 2 was fucking wild, though. That is a wild cut. Generally considered the worst one in the entire it was, arcade. I, I love that you're going for it. I liked it just because the amount of times it went, what the fuck? We will we will be covering the entire Cars trilogy. I'm gonna have oh, a lot to there's say. There's a third Cars. There's yes, a third. Cars. I haven't seen there's it. Third Cars. But there is a third Cars. I have weirdly played that video game. It was on the Wii U, and on my last show, we covered yeah. every single game on the Wii U. And that game is really good. Like it's, a surprisingly good kind of Mario Kart style racer. But the the but thing we'll, about, we'll get into yeah. all that. But yeah, Cars Two <laughs> is a bad shit movie. It's like let's go from a uh, a movie about car in racing. And, uh, you know, real kid friendly. And let's go to a spy thriller where cars are dying. Yeah, let's do... <laughs> People uh, explode. James cars Bond explode. Yeah. is Larry the Cable Guy and vice versa. <laughs> that's, that's the direction they went on this. But Wally, I think, still stands out as kind of a unique treasure in the entire catalog. And I think because of what we were talking about, how the first half of this movie is silent... The first half of this movie always felt like one of the Pixar shorts to me. And mm-hmm. the Pixar shorts tend to be my favorite part of Pixar. Like, those tend to be my very favorite oh, they're things. So they're good. almost they're always so, silent. So good. It's a classical cartoon thing. I do think the second half of Wally is a little weaker than the first half of it, just because I love watching Wally interact with his world. I love kind of the ramshackle style of it, how much personality they're able to get out of this little box with yeah. little rotors in it. Like, pretty incredible. Um, to give a little bit of context on this movie, it was released June 27th, 2008. It's directed and written by Andrew Stanton, and it stars Ben Burt, Elisa Knight, Jeff Garland, Fred Willard, John Ratzenberger, Catherine Najimy, and Sigourney Weaver as the voice of the uh, Axiom speaker, uh, which I think is a nice choice. Um, This is one of many, many projects that came about as part of what must be one of the most legendary mythical lunch meetings of all time. In 1994, a lot of Pixar executives got together. They were getting ready to release Toy Story, and they were trying to plot out the next couple of years of their studio. And over the course of this long lunch, they came up with the plots for A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and this movie, which was originally going to be called... Trash Planet. Um, I don't know if Trash Planet is better or not. The the analog to Treasure Planet? That's the thing. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet because Treasure Planet was a huge bomb. It's one of the biggest bombs Disney ever had. I'm willing to bet that they uh, changed the name I, to distance itself I have from that. to re-watch Treasure Planet, but I remember liking I it. I like that movie a lot. Like, And so, I don't know, sometimes things just don't work out. Yeah, um, no, just a bad box office does not equate a bad movie. I think Treasure Planet's quite good. Um, but yeah, so Andrew Stanton uh, was the one who pitched this idea, and it took a long time for them to kind of figure out how they were going to do it. But in the meantime, Stanton went on to direct uh, A Bug's Life and Finding Nemo, which was the biggest hit the studio ever had at that time. Uh, so that was really, really big for him. He had a lot of juice going into this development. Now, the story changed quite a bit over the development. One version of this was weirdly going to be like a light, kind of kid-friendly horror movie almost, in the vein of Alien. Like, it was going to be about Wally defending Earth from alien invaders, even though there was no, like, human population anymore. It was just him on the planet. That was always an element. It was just going to be him alone on the planet. Um, then they kind of stumbled on the idea of incorporating humans into the story. And the original idea that they had, and at one, I got to be honest, I wish they kind of stuck with, mm-hmm. was that the humans had devolved over hundreds of years to become kind of gelatinous alien creatures and this is all based around like this this theory that humans living long term in zero g environments would lose bone density and would become more and more gelatinous over time i feel like that's almost a stronger way to do it than the way they went which is if i'm going to front load my criticism of this movie early on I think the second half of this movie has a little bit of a fat phobia thing going I on. I think that's one of the hard... Like, yeah. I don't... They're, they're trying not to be fat phobic, but they, they are. are fat phobic. <laughs> like, they they definitely... do make a point to show that the, the, the character's bones have reduced. Like, they are... Like, they're... Yeah, so, I mean, it is showing that it's more of a physiological change than just, like, an eating junk food kind of change. But it, it feels a little squicky, right? Yeah. 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 
I don't know. Well, and especially because they have artificial gravity. So, like, the gravity would have helped their bone density. But th- I think it was an excuse to show lazy, large people uh. eating excessively without exercise. And I thought that was kind of taste. It's, I feel like as we progress as a society, like, some things become tasteless. But I don't think it, I, I, it doesn't detract enough from the movie for me to be like, no, I, it raises an eyebrow, but it's just like, ugh, okay, whatever. You could see that the intentions behind it were good, or at least like they're, they're making a social commentary about how we're all stuck to our screens and everything like that. But again, I, I've been growing increasingly aware of the stereotype of like how fat people are treated in media. And it tends to be like equating it with laziness and that's often not the case you know that's not the transition there's a there's a hundred reasons to you know but it's not a movie with a whole lot of nuance in that degree but i think the environmental message of this movie is pretty spot on you know the idea that earth is now completely uninhabitable because of the horrible way we treated it and the way that we just handed over control of everything to major corporations like the president of earth who we see in this movie as a live action fred willard is also the ceo of the biggest corporation on the planet and that's everything's branded that i feel like that kind of satirical stuff is much more pointed and successful than the weight stuff that's kind yeah of i think so <laughs> um but that's really kind of my only major quibble with the way this came out um the one other like thing uh, contextually that I want to notice or uh, mention before we get into the movie itself is this is one of the movies that kind of made the Academy Awards change their rules a little bit. All right, so in 2000, I'm an Oscar nerd, so I got to highlight this. <laughs> you are an Oscar I nerd. I absolutely am. In 2008, uh, this movie got snubbed for a Best Picture nomination, as did The Dark Knight, as did a couple of other, like, uh, Iron Man, a couple of other big, like, populist movies that were critically well-received, but they were kind of ignored. And in, instead of that, we got nominations for movies like The Reader, which is this really maudlin, like, Holocaust drama that nobody actually liked at the time. But it's just like, oh, well, you know, it's 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 a World War II movie. We have to put it on—it's a Best Picture nominee. And there was such an outcry about the lack of this movie and The Dark Knight in the nominations that the very next year they expanded from five nominees for Best Picture to up to ten. And I think it's also telling that one of the movies nominated for Best Picture the following year is going to be up. You mm-hmm. know, so it's immediately it's like, okay, we missed the boat on Wally. Let's get another Pixar movie in here to kind of make up for it. Up, I would say, not as good a movie as this. A I, good movie, not as good a movie. The thing as this. about Up is the first five minutes of it are fucking devastating. And are perfect. Is, is a perfect is an uh, like beyond Oscar winning short. Yeah. Oh, uh, but the rest of the movie is just sort of like blah. You know, it, like it, 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 it's okay, but it's just like you your whole mindset and your whole soul is stuck in those first five minutes oh yeah um, and you're just like you're just riding like the movie is just like uh the biggest chaser to a shot uh and you're just like it's really true yeah it's like a yeah that's a great way to put it it's like an hour and 40 minute chaser to an extremely potent and extremely well-made movie i think uh, we'll talk about up there is a game uh so we will talk about it but like that's that's a movie whose entire legacy is based in those first like five to ten minutes um whereas wally i think is more successful consistently throughout so uh didn't you do a buster keen rewatch i did recently? yeah like how does um the so for me like one of the reasons i fell in love with wally the first time uh like i watched it was i loved how it made me feel like i was watching a silent movie oh, with the with the emotion and the face uh, of um, of Wally. So how does this compare to the, all the Buster Keaton you watched? You can 100% see it because, you know, Buster Keaton, uh, as people know, was called the Great Stone Face. His whole gimmick was that he never smiled or he just had this one expression the entire time while he was doing all this wacky physical comedy. And he did it because he wanted to uh, convey humor without relying on, like, mugging. You know, he wanted to use his body. He wanted to use the environment, his timing, things like that. And I think Wally is indebted to that kind of tradition. You know, he he obviously gets to make noise and he has a voice and he has, you know, a a little bit more of a dynamic facial expression than Buster Keaton does in those movies. But he is only a pair of eyes on a stalk, you know, like 
that's all he ever looks like. And it's amazing how much personality they're able to convey. They get some miles out they of really do. A, a few feet of road. Yeah. Like it's it's so impressive how emotive Did and how well that translates. Either one of you ever watch Short Circuit? Yeah. Johnny a Five. Time he's, ago, Johnny yeah. Five. He's really he's you can tell there's a lot of Johnny Five in this design, you know? And it's also really cool, like, the voice of Wally and the top-billed actor in this movie is Ben Burt, all right? And for people who don't know who he is, he's not an actor. He is a sound designer. He's the guy who made the voice for R2-D2. He did all the sound oh. effects for the whole Star Wars series. He's considered one of the best, like, sound effects designers in the world. And I just love that he got to top-line this, like, major movie that was the ninth biggest box office draw of the year. Like... That's pretty impressive. Did he also work on the film as he well, did. I'm assuming? Yeah, he oh, was the sound okay. designer, and he got to be the voice I, of Wally and Moe, the little uh, scrubby guy. The, this movie just has incredible sound design. Unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah next level. Um, and I don't remember if this won the Oscar for that or not. I think it deserved well, it. And I also loved, like, so there's uh, this, um, so uh, we're all improvisers, and uh, I yes, used to do improvised sorry. tech. Uh, and I would use La Vie en Rose by Louis Armstrong yeah. to score so many scenes because you're just like, you instantly go into this, like, sort of beautiful, hopeful, romantic mood when you play La Vie en Rose. Uh, and Louis Armstrong's version is so beautiful. Uh, um, Edith Piloff's uh, Piloff Piloff P um, version is also extraordinary, but it's just like oh, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. And um, the use of Hello Dolly um, and the music to Hello Dolly just to making Wally uh, just uh, live. I mean, <laughs> it's an argument for uh, for hard copy media. <laughs> that's my thing. I've always, this has been a thought that's like haunted me for years. Like even before seeing this movie for the first time is like, what happens if the whole world ends, <clears throat> human life is extinguished and it's like centuries from now. And like an alien race comes down and discovers our planet and wants to learn about our culture. What if like the only movie they can find is like, I don't know, like Street Fighter, the movie or something. Like, <laughs> and what is like, what's the one movie they're going to find that is endemic and like representative of our entire culture? And you always think it's going to be something like super uplifting or something that really no. paints us in its best light. But it might just be like a random. It might be Hello, Dolly. It might be My Cousin Vinny. I don't know. Like, well, we have it, no it idea what it's going to be. Yeah, because it's like, was Oedipus even a good play? At the, time, like, at the time, at the time, yeah. You know, I think it won a, won the uh, the Dionysian award that year, but yeah. still, <laughs> won the, I won it won a Dionysi. <laughs> I don't wow. remember what it's called. It's been a long time. <laughs> but they used to have comedy plays compete, and they used to have tragedies compete, and they, uh, they uh, and uh, but, but yeah, like uh, what we got down from Roman and ancient Greek. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff missing. That's true. You know, I've just always worried that like one piece of media is going to exist and it's going to be something weird and mediocre and we just have no control over that. But in Wally's case, he really seized on the 1970 version of Hello, Dolly that has Barbara Streisand. We never see Barbara Streisand in this movie, uh, but she yeah, that the clips from that play throughout the movie and the game. Surprisingly, they did uh, include the clips from that. Um, but that just provides so much of the the atmosphere and the flavor of the early parts of this movie. And it gives Wally his like I'm using the his he's a robot. Um, uh, uh, their desire is which is to hold hands. Yeah. How fucking cute is that? This is a long quest across space so that a little robot can hold hands. No. <laughs> it's so cute. I'll hold his hand. Come on. Uh, I did uh, when we were about to start watching this movie because I watched this for the first time like a month or two ago with my roommates and I came to the conclusion during the first half of the movie and it was only solidified as the movie went on. Uh, Wally is a simp. <laughs> it's interesting that you say this. So when I first saw this movie, I saw it in theater and I saw it with my brothers and my then uh, my ex-fiance. Mm -hmm. And all of the boys in our party were like in tears. Oh, yeah. And I was like, and I feel like this movie really speaks to men. Uh, do you guys have anything to say about that? 
I don't know if I've ever felt like it spoke to me on a on a gender basis or anything like that. This is one of the few uh, Pixar movies of this era that didn't make me expressly cry, but I do remember watching it and just being kind of awed and delighted by this movie yeah, the entire time. Yeah, it, it definitely got me very invested, but I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, this is like, like, I, I, I considered Wally as more of like a child of like, Wally just wants like a, a to hold somebody's hand and get a hug, See, and, and I'm like that is great. And there is something to that where uh, men don't often admit that that's one of their core needs, but it 100% is. Like most yeah. of us are, you know, the media portrays us in one way, and most of us are just like, I want to hold hands and have a hug. <laughs> I want someone to give me a blankie, you know. Oh so. man, honestly, that's the best. Oh yeah, just give me a damn blankie. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Wally is great. And uh, is Wally the best simp of all time? I would say simp. probably because he's not that creepy. That's a little bit I sometimes. Have, I immediately but... hear the word simp and I think he's he's a creep. And I don't think Wally's a creep. I, I think I, he's a good You do not party. have to be a creep if you're a simp. Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah. Though those are not necessarily follow after each other. And I would say mm. that you cross over from simp to creep. Uh, you are no longer simping. You are creeping. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so That's simp good... is, uh, in my personal opinion and my personal dictionary, mm. uh, is a positive somebody who just adores somebody. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. I can it's, see it. I mean, he's definitely very devoted to this uh, uh, strong space mommy with some dummy uh, kind of energy. <laughs> what is up? Why does she have a gun? Why She's to defend she, herself. She has to, to protect herself against rogue robots. Exactly. We don't know what kind of like post-apocalyptic situation is happening down here. You know, yeah. like. It could be just a, a robot uprising. We don't know. But as we do know, Wally is the last functioning robot on Earth. He's basically the well, only thing like still mobile I, and I don't think we necessarily know that, but the assumption is there. At least in his like general vicinity, yeah. you know. It's it's Wally and a little cockroach that behaves like a puppy. It's very cute. Uh and but even still like Wally He's either gone weird from being alone for too long or his circuitry was always a little wrong because he does have hopes and dreams and he he wants things. He he uh, collects things. You know, he's different from a lot of the other robots we see. We actually weirdly in the video game, we get a little peek at Wally life before everything fell apart and we see that he is even weird like even for that if we're so going to consider that canon we're I, seeing that he's weird i think that they, <laughs> this this kind of goes back to a common thing that i think star wars started with r2d2 yeah uh which is that robot like it's the robot with a personality yeah and in star wars the the methodology behind that and the reason why they always tell one of the reasons why they always tell Luke, Anakin, whoever that R2-D2 needs his memory wipe is that in the Star Wars universe, the the concept is and I think it, it it's even a similar concept in like Halo and stuff where if an AI, uh, even if it's like a programmed AI yeah. is left for too long errors start like it's yeah. the same thing where like sometimes if you have a program installed forever it, something stops working and then you reinstall and it works again but in star wars they wipe the memories droids to basically reset the ai or the the droids memory to reset the ai yeah uh, and keep it from going rampant or from going self-aware and then like getting feelings and stuff and Wally, I don't think, is getting appropriate maintenance anymore. <laughs> no. I, I mean, it seemed it, to have stopped at some point. This is a classic bit of uh, sort of Darwinian science fiction, I guess you could call it. it it's it's the same with, like, X-Men, you know? It's like time and aberration brings it along the next generation, you know? Like, that's, that's kind of the idea. Like, something has gone wrong, and over time that's going to like affect the history of everything and that's what Wally is he's got and, like some kind of aberration in his programming that makes him a sweet little boy he's just a nice little uh, guy to, to throw in there just that something went wrong uh, it could be a good a good wrong uh, oh it could be a good wrong especially yeah. in this case where we end up with 
just a, like you said, a sweet little guy. Listen, I He's assume great. most of the X-Men are going to come around and say like, hey, we did, we, we ended up okay. You know, <laughs> I've got laser eyes and claws and stuff. And yeah. Look, I, I feel like depending on the situation, some people got the short end of the stick on that one. It's true. And they would probably be fine with like, hey, can we fix this? Because like. That's what the whole. Of, I accidentally uh, murder people. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's what the whole of Grant Morrison's new X-Men series, if I can if I can be a, an X-Men dork for a second. <laughs> the new X-Men series that Grant Morrison did is all about the X-Men who have useless powers and they're kind of uh, resulted they're they're stuck in like the remedial class. It, it's great. <laughs> I I just saw a meme like yesterday or the day before, and I've seen the meme before, and it's like I I, I don't have a good recollection of the X-Men movies, but it's like uh, Storm, somebody is saying like, oh, you know, there's something wrong with us. And Storm's going, no, we're exactly, no, we're perfect the way we are or whatever. Yeah. And then they're just like, she said the person who just makes clouds when they want to, to the person who accidentally murders people because they can't control their power. Exactly. And I'm like, yeah, oh. Rogue, Rogue has a tough <laughs> road to go. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you just need to, if possible, Give him a hug and say, we're going to figure this out. Exactly. Or don't give Rogue a hug. Yeah. Look, I don't remember what happens when you give Rogue a hug. She sucks your life energy. Yeah. Okay. And if she does that to a mutant, she gets their powers for a short time. Give period. her an air high five or an air hug. Yeah. Text hug emojis. Yeah. And then say, let's figure something watch, out for you. Um, the pie shop show. What? Uh, what is pushing oh, uh, oh, Pushing Daisies. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, pushing Daisies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that was a show that I remember seeing the ads for and wanting to watch it, oh, but then so I just... It's so charming. It's so cute, and it has one of the hardest to explain, like, premises of any show. It's like, okay, this guy cooks pies. He can bring people back from the dead by touching them. If he touches them a second time, they die forever. He solves crimes. <laughs> And there's a woman that he's um, that he brought back from the dead, and he falls in love with her, and they can't kiss, so they like, kiss through saran wrap. Yeah. So oh they my have, god. They have, like, permanent, like irresolvable sexual chemistry that they can't ever act upon. Uh, yeah, cl- hard to define show, but it's interesting. Uh, Lee Pace is the star of that, and he. Is, I love Lee Pace. Holly oh, Pace is amazing. He's amazing. I still I can't believe I don't have Apple TV. Otherwise, I'd uh, I'd watch that show that he's in, um, oh. Expanse or not Expanse. Um, Foundation. Foundation. He's in Foundation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Halt and Catch Fire, one of my favorite shows of all time, starring Lee Pace. I yeah. love The Fall. The uh, Fall is so good. The Fall is so underrated. Nobody's favorite, seen that no movie. No one's seen that movie, oh, and it's, it's like so one good. of the best movies of all time. It's like my top five favorite I've, movies of all time. I've seen none of this. See, exactly. I don't know what any... I, I know of Pushing Daisies. The, I've heard of Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, The the Fall got no press when that came out. Like, yeah, it's almost a 20-year-old movie, uh, and that movie's so, so good. It's so beautiful. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Anyway, Wally. Uh, Wally, <laughs> you know, so the, the cinematography, like, we're gonna uh, transition from the fall. We need to oh, talk the cinematography. Oh, of yeah. The opening, what, 30 minutes of, uh, of Wally with, like, the, the endless vistas. And, <sighs> and it's just like the mute, uh, and the soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. Thomas Newman does the soundtrack here. And, like, the, the, the you're right. The camera work in this movie is, like, really unique yeah. for a Pixar movie. It's like, you get rack focuses. You get like shaky cam. You get things mm-hmm. like that. Like they're you get trying a lot to of make long, it... long distance shots. Yeah, um, like things that are a specific pain in the ass to animate, and they went to the trouble to animate these things that like you may not even notice. And, and it does an incredible job of conveying not only the state of the planet, not only how desolate it is, not only how alone Wally is doing all of this. But also, just how how big and expansive it, it is if you're the only person. Yeah. If you're the only thing with a a, a conscience, a, a a mind. Yeah. Thoughts. Whatever kind that Wally does, it's also crucial that Wally is not like broken down or miserable. Like Wally yeah. is not an unhappy being. Like he's he's going about his life and like finding his purpose and living. Uh, to the best of his ability because he know this is all he knows. Mm-hmm. So we're not finding him like wallowing and wishing for yeah. something else. It's he gets introduced to this whole exciting new world. And really at the crux of it, Wally is a love story, which uh, is still such a cute and successful element of this movie because he meets Eve, which is a very high tech, very sleek robot that comes in on a spaceship basically to survey Earth 
and see if there's any inhabitable life on the planet so that the people can come back. And I love the design of Eve. Uh, this is peak like iPhone era, yeah. you yes. know? So this is definitely kind of like an Apple influenced design where you're not supposed to see any seams. Everything's kind of it's, white and Especially smooth. considering the heritage of Pixar. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we should, uh, the, I, I always love telling this story. Uh, Pixar only exists because of Howard the Duck. Because <laughs> George Lucas owned Pixar. He owned this studio. And when his movie Howard the Duck came out in 1986 and was a massive commercial and critical bomb, he had to sell some assets. So he sold Pixar to Steve Jobs, who then developed Toy Story, who then, you know, and then all the rest is history from there. But yeah, yeah. Howard yeah. the Duck is responsible for all of Pixar. Yeah, no, it's super crazy. But. Uh, yeah, uh, the sound effects whenever Wally hits full charge is the sound of a Mac powering on. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, there's just so it's. I think it's impossible to talk about this movie and talk about all the the good details because yeah. it's every every shot, every scene. It's like, oh, I like this camera angle. I like the way that we're seeing this. Uh, I like the, yeah, there's just so many different things happening. And that was always um, kind of the Pixar difference. You know, if you're talking about the difference between a Pixar <clears throat> mm -hmm. and a DreamWorks movie, which are kind of the two big competitors of the time, Pixar is not as concerned about like celebrities. Like DreamWorks will pack f famous people into their movies and they'll usually be like uh, very quick witted and it'll be aimed at more like adults and kids, yeah. you know, and Pixar like, they will absolutely make the lead of their movie uh, Ben Burt, sound designer for Star Wars, or Craig T. Mm -hmm. Nelson for Incredibles, or like, like they're not interested in casting huge celebrities. They're interested and in the best possible story so and just so good. much attention to detail. Yeah. yeah, they're so good at making things seem so exceptionally full. Yeah, while never pulling your attention to that effect no. to that fact it just it feels like you said there's such good attention to detail there's so many details that it every every shot every scene tends to feel like it should because it is mm -hmm. there are shots it's... of wally rolling around and there's like you know newspapers and signs that he's just rolling over and you're not mentioning it you're not looking at it no but it's it's all there if you want to and the design of wally's home is incredible Absolutely. i love the amount of details because you can you get that great moment where like he's rotating through all of his shelves of knickknacks and everything and then at the end of the evening he crawls into that shelf and then you realize oh shit this is where all of the other wallies are supposed mm -hmm. to be yeah. dispensed from but none of them are left so he's filled it all up with like knickknacks and little memorabilia yeah. like again just really elegant visuals so i think one of the best examples of how elegant this visual storytelling is comes in the later half of the movie where Eve piles towels on Wally's head to keep him hidden behind a towel rack. <laughs> and that could just be like a little one-off joke. But instead, he follows her. He looks in a garbage chute. And when he turns his head up, the towels fall down so we can see how deep the shaft is. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just one of those little things to me that, like, always stands out as an, uh, a detail that helps... Shorten like the that best that detail storytellers. Yeah. Well, and they also they so this movie is heavy on chases. Yeah. But they always establish the geography before the chase. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so like the ch when he's chasing uh, Eva um, on the spaceship, we've already know the established geography of his world. Later on on the ship when they're they're racing through the ship numerous different times, we we know basically what's going on in the ship. And yeah. Where yeah. Going. Like, we. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. It's it's again. There's so many. Even when we transition to the ship, there's so many big establishing shots, and then it like the camera just kind of like jiggles a little bit, and then zooms in on you know Wally screaming through as fast as he can, trying to catch up to something. Yeah, they just do. Yeah. Oh. So good. Well, and let's talk about the captain because, like, I think it's interesting that they they show they try to show, like, seven hundred years have passed. Yeah, and, like, and it's just like it's interesting the progression and the captain photos, um, and uh, to our current captain. Uh, who gets to wear a little cape? Yeah, he does. He gets a, <laughs> I, I hope all, I think all captains should get to wear a little cape at some point in life. 
Yeah, the captain here is played by Jeff Garland, uh, and he's probably the character with the most dialogue in the movie. I, I mean, not yeah. probably. He's definitely the character with the most dialogue in the movie. Uh, even though I don't think we ever get... Do we get his name? Do we say his... I don't remember if they say I think it, Captain or something. So. I think they say I it think at some point. I think it's on the the picture. Yeah, okay. I definitely think it's around. I think it's just one of those things that we're so lost in all the details. But that's kind of the big sort of second act reveal that was hidden in a lot of the promotional material of this at the time. It's like... Wally hitchhikes on the ship to like protect Eva. Eva finds the plant that she needs. She finds that Earth can't sustain plant life, and so she gets summoned back as a probe. And Wally tags along, and he gets to find the Axiom, which is this big ship where all of the humans are still living. And contrary to kind of the post-apocalyptic vibes of the early part of this movie, the humans are fine. The humans are thriving. Like society is still working. But they've all become so automated and they've like just gotten used to living in these chairs that they've all become uh, very large and sort of uh, obsessed with their screens. Yeah, you know? I, I have to point out when I saw this movie for the first time, uh, I didn't know about the second half of the movie. Yeah, uh, I just assumed this was a movie. Uh, I, when we started watching it, I was like, OK, this is a movie with no people. This is just Wally and maybe. Maybe he meets somebody on the planet or something, yeah. and then like the, they, they did, they came from space, and I was like, oh, okay, this is neat. Yeah, uh, we're gonna see their adventures, and then uh, they went on an adventure. Yeah, and I was like, oh, absolutely. I, I wasn't expecting people. I I remember seeing this back in 2008. I was dating a woman who had a young daughter, and I brought her to this movie, and she was delighted by it. Like she was never bored by the silent bits at the beginning or the largely silent bits at the beginning but i still vividly remember going into the lobby afterwards and this woman was like whining to the management mm-hmm. of the theater saying like oh the whole first half of this movie was just a little guy saying eva eva wally wally <laughs> eva eva i'm like all right I, I don't know what you want them to do about it also yeah. you, you're missing the whimsy of this movie like you need them to be chattering at you all the time like you know stick with it let's see it out it, it's going places it's doing something uh, I just want to point out that the captain's name is Captain B. McCrea. McCrea? McCree. Uh, McCree. Yeah, spelt uh, M-C-C-R-E-A. Okay. All right. Yeah. They Either way, they don't say it out loud in there. They just call him the captain. And the captain is being influenced by the autopilot, just called auto, which is <laughs> cleverly they, designed. Yeah. He looks like Hal. He looks like yes. Hal in the middle of like a ship's wheel, like in, in the middle of a tiller. Uh, you know, like... Uh, who had... What... Two thousand one Space Odyssey. Yeah. Who was that? Kubrick. Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick. But yeah. what production? Uh, like who? Like who Warner, would own the rights Warner to Brothers. How? Warner, Warner Brothers? Brothers would, ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So it was it was a nod without being an explicit. Yeah, I wasn't but, sure yeah. if that was one of those situations where because of you know company acquired, companies being acquired over the years where they yeah. technically had the rights or if it was just so heavily that was influenced. An it, wasn't it was an homage. It was an homage. It's it's hard to copyright a red light. You know. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. to It's hard to narrow that one down in particular. And they didn't do the the quiet of hell voice yes. yeah Daisy, instead Daisy. It, it even says it it lists as the cast the uh apple macintosh text-to-speak uh program is <laughs> as the voice of auto yeah yeah oh absolutely yeah it's <laughs> they, clearly... they put it in the cast list in wikipedia i love when they do that i forget there's a movie that gives like prominent billing to siri I, I it's like a fairly recent movie that gets prominent. I, I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah, yeah, I forget who that is, but um, yeah, it's an interesting thing they can do. You know, so I I think you know the first half of the movie, as we said, it just feels a little more successful than the second half because the satire is there, and I understand what they're going for, but it does feel a tiny bit mean spirited, even if none of the characters are shown to be like useless or lazy or anything like that. The key, the human characters that we get to know are strong and ambitious and like want to do something their bodies have just kind of degraded it definitely shows something that i think has been a common trend and a common uh thing in sci-fi forever yeah which is an over uh reliance on technology yeah um yeah because they they're in uh, fahrenheit 451 had the tv walls in this case they just have screens being projected directly in front of their faces with the news and everything that they need so they don't have to you know go to a screen or anything their chair has it built in and their chair hovers around it's kind of like a self 
fulfilling like capitalist fantasy because like yeah they're not nobody's actually working like it is almost more socialism than anything else like everybody's just kind of like automated on everything if they want something they get it if they want food it's provided for them if they want to change the color of their clothes they can do that immediately and that, like they're just kind of talking to each other all the time was, but they've grown very comfortable that was something that i was curious about because in the announcements and advertisements they they refer to the people as uh fellow by and large shoppers yeah and i'm like i don't is does it count as shopping yeah, like what, that's what, the thing. What is the currency system here? And obviously, they don't really go into that much. No, but they it, don't really have it raises one. a lot of questions about like, oh, I wonder what this life really is like. Yeah, um, they don't seem to not like it. Mm-hmm. They're but not again, being held hostage. As I said, all of the satire stuff is there, and it's pretty good. But like the the really the crux of this is that this is a love story, yes. and we get a lot of really beautiful moments. I I will always just treasure the moment of like. Eve and Wally like playing around in space and like dancing yeah. with the fire extinguisher. Wally like putting his hand through the rings of Saturn and like knocking the ice like out into a little spiral. Like there's some truly beautiful. We watched it together like on a 4K like restoration yeah. that looked really. It looked really good. It looked gorgeous yes. for a 15 year old uh, movie. This this is definitely held up. The yeah it, the again 2008. Um, it looks fantastic it really does especially the space shots you are like oh this is this is sick it is this yeah is, this is why you get this tv exactly um even though it's uh 2023 and now we all for the most part Four. have these tvs yeah, it's it's hard to buy a tv for a living room that isn't 4k yeah but it just it it absolutely is still to this day a wonderful example of great imagery. In oh a, yeah, in a movie. Uh, yeah, great animation, great effects. Um, no, and it's 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 ultimately just a really sweet and hopeful story. You know, like uh, uh, Otto, I guess, is the closest thing we have to a villain in this movie. Yeah. And even then, he's he's you know he's just a robot. He can't really be blamed. But once we do get on the ship, we get so many little supporting robot characters. Mo, the little cleaning robot, is probably <laughs> the standout. great. Come on. He's just, like, constantly, like, scrubbing and, like, he's a little obsessive. But he's also going on his own little journey. He's learning to step outside the lines and, like, follow his passion. And, like, there's a lot of fun stuff there. Like, and it, it is just amazing how much character you get out of these little robots who have a very limited vocabulary. Yes. And just so much personality uh, and character shines through. The the team, because I'm assuming it was a, a few people that were behind that, yeah. were, uh, they deserve everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, All the robots. Yeah. So the character design people are Pixar. Design. Yes. Yeah. Exceptional. From character to sound, everybody who touched them did such an incredible job. Yeah. No, they um, absolutely did. I don't know. It's, it's just such an endlessly beguiling heartwarming movie uh i've probably seen this movie 10 times at this point and well, i, I just i'm so charmed by it every time it's so lovely how eve or eva as eva. says uh like definitely like changes and grows in her feelings for wally and like, yeah. to the point where she almost put down her directive yeah uh, and wally's like no your directive uh earth well, I mean, um, she did. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was like, no, <laughs> you have to, to do it. <laughs> I need to get back to Earth. That's where my spare parts are. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that too. Um, and we get cute little moments too where like, I don't know, like I, it feels silly to comment on this in regards to robots at all. But like this movie is not bound by any kind of gender uh, binary in any way. Like. She is clearly designed to be kind of more feminine, but she's also the stronger character. There's a very cute moment where she's, his fire extinguisher gives out, and she she just picks him up like he's a damsel in distress, and like he cuddles into her, and like she flies him yeah, back. Yeah, she's um he's much smaller than her, and I really like that. Like uh, that just made me happy. He's a short king. Yeah. He's a short exactly. king. Exactly. Yeah. He, I I just uh, yeah uh I love every time Wally uh, went into a box to hide. Oh yeah, I was. 
this is great. Whether it's hiding from her, hiding from anybody else, he just like he's such a little mischievous rascal in a, in a more innocent way than any other rascal. Where I, he's just like so curious and pure, trying I to do things. Feel a lot yeah. of his character design uh, harkens not just from um, Short Circuit and Johnny Five, but also from ET. There's a lot of ET. Yeah. Uh, and the the elongating and shortening of the neck and the way the, his head swivels. The it big just, eyes. It, yeah. 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 You know, and he's he's always low status. You know, because essentially he is just a trash compactor with feet. Like at the end of the day, yeah. that's what Raleigh is. So he's always low status, and we're always kind of rooting for him. But he's very guileless, and he's just very friendly to everybody. Like. He's curious about everybody. He wants to shake everybody's hand. Like, he teaches that one little robot how to wave, and then he becomes obsessed with it. Like, you know, like, he, he just kind of quietly, positively impacts everybody he touches just by being himself. Yeah. And that's very sweet. <clears throat> like, at one point, he accidentally... Uh, there's a secondary love story to the primary one, which is where... Uh, Wally accidentally sets two people up. Yeah, yeah, he's a little <laughs> uh, over time yeah. by like bumping into them and like changing them or like giving them a wider range of thought than they had before. Yeah, uh, until eventually they meet together and like, oh, this is great. Um, but yeah, every like Wally accidentally knocks the dude out of his chair, and Wally very easily could have been like, "I'm a robot, peace." Yeah, I'm trying to find my person that I'm chasing down. Uh, he's like, oh, uh, he real quick. Let me just uh, lift you back up in there. Kind of, bye. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a, Wally. <laughs> he's a sweet, helpful boy, and everybody's excited to talk to him. You know, like it, it's it, there's just kind of such a nice energy to the whole movie. Like even when we get to the climax, like where it, it's a little more action heavy, it still never yeah. feels like uh, it's never super chaotic. You mm -hmm. know. And the goals are always very clear and simple, you know, and yes. we, we know what everybody wants. Um, you know, it's just it's just they're, really elegant, simple storytelling and it works. Yes. They're they're clear without being too consistently simple in the sense of like there are so many movies that'll have somebody say, like, uh, we gotta do the thing because of this, this and that. They're like, you, you it's clear, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You already know why they're doing the things. Um, if they need to really say much, uh, it doesn't feel like you have, like I always consider it as like the scientist, which is literally just there to tell you why this movie matters, right? right? What's yeah. happening in this movie is happening. Yeah. All the exposition uh, is just kind of in the background. Like you don't yeah. need to worry about it. You know? Yeah. No, it, it just, it works for me. It just works so well. You know, like I, I would still give the slight edge for my Pixar movies to Ratatouille just because I love the, the, the wit and the energy of that movie. Um, but this is a movie that is so like universal. You could show this to somebody in any part of the world and they would get right on board with it. You yeah. know, like you, you can, you don't need to translate most of this movie, you know, and uh, it, it's just got that kind of inclusiveness to it. And has a message without feeling like overwhelming with its message. Yeah, it doesn't and, beat you over the head with anything. Yeah, yeah, and it it just it just all comes together. I I, I don't know. I'm just always delighted to watch this movie. It's it's just uh, one of my very favorite animated yeah. films. It's just it's a very chill on a day like today. It was yeah. a great thing to just turn the lights off, kick back watch wally yeah yeah absolutely well maybe we should transition to the game a little bit because we do have some stuff to talk about with the game um the game came out uh day and date release same as the uh the movie and now this was actually on ps3 360 and some of the more recent consoles but we played it on ps2 uh just because that happened to be the content the copy that i had but I don't feel like this lost much by not being on like a next gen console. No, the like, the graphics were fantastic. The cutscenes were amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, now this weirdly, the uh, PS2 game actually has a lot more stages than the PS3 yes. or 360 version. There's like 23 stages in this game versus nine in the other versions. It could be because some of these stages are very, very brief mm -hmm. when we were playing it. But um, so, like I said, there's there's not a lot of tension with these Disney games that, to like, are, is this going to be like an embarrassingly bad game? Like that's never really the case with these Disney yeah. games. There's a certain level of quality control where they're at least going to be passable. Uh, I was um, doing some reading on it. Yeah. And there's actually four different games by four different studios. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, the one that we played, the PlayStation 2 version, is pretty much referred to be as the, the best one. I would believe um, it, yeah. The, the and other this ones... is a pretty late PS2 game. Like, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the next gen is already out for a couple of years at this point. So, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's cool that they put this much effort into it. Um, you know, like, I, I think this does a really good job of complementing the game or the movie without being an exact one-to-one uh, adaptation of the movie. Like, we're not playing the exact events of the film as they happened, but we are getting the vibe of it. It's This game is really kind of a puzzle platformer where your goal is to, like, collect a certain number of, like, blue cells to open up the gate to get to the next level. And sometimes that requires a little lateral thinking, including... The thing that surprised me most about it, some kind of skateboarding mechanics. <laughs> uh, that was that great. Not hinted at in the movie whatsoever, but it kind of makes sense. If you have a character that has built-in wheels, like it kind of makes sense to have him race around or do things like that. Do half pipes. There are so many half pipes. So they many straight up introduce it as like, oh, Wally can do things on half pipes. And yeah. you're like, uh yes yeah absolutely i mean we are kind of reaching the tail end of when disney was still adapting their properties into video games like they weirdly gave up on that a lot sooner than a lot of other developers did like disney interactive as a studio is going to be gone seven or eight years after this movie comes out or after this game comes out but i still think there's a level of quality control here that uh is not always present in this game i thought this game was pretty solid like i was enjoying everything they was putting out yeah it there was a lot of games that were very popular during that time period in the, the really the playstation 2 generation yeah um that started to fall off a little bit now they're coming back a little bit but it was like the the ratchet and clanks the spy coopers the yeah. jacks like uh of just like uh platformers where it's a little on the chill side and and it also was getting like if in those specific instances it was getting a little darker like jack yes. and daxter 2 is like a weirdly dark and heavy it's significantly game. Like, darker like, than the first one you know so like they were i i'm always fascinated by that era of video games because they were still trying to find like mascot characters to represent their system but the audience was aging along with the, the yeah. medium, you know? So, like, they, they couldn't make it super kitty, and they had to kind of find ways. So, like, Jack and Daxter 2 turns into Grand Theft Auto for a little bit. It's, it's weird. It's, I mean, that's good. I loved that game. It's a good I game. I was like, this is No, incredible. it remains a good game. But, yeah. Um, um, but It was the all of it, yeah. It was, it was an interesting time where it was, like, yeah, just a lot of games, like, not exactly like this, but this was a significantly more chill one because... Uh, and I, I read ahead, uh, supposedly the game starts to follow the story of the movie a little bit as it goes on. It does, yeah. But, uh, but like just... the, the training level of this gives us a peek at Wally life 700 years before the beginning yeah. of this movie. So we do, we were talking about like how old Wally might be and how long he's been alone and things like that, you know, and, and speculating. And this says like he's been at this for at least 700 years. Yeah. And he's been Wally at least all this time, if the game's to be believed. And he's been uh, collecting artifacts and doing little cute dances. Okay, that this was is the, one, of the, yes. one of the best things about this game. Like, al almost every game you play, uh, especially in this era, is going to have little collectible thingies that you can go around and look for hidden throughout the level. But this one is kind of unique because every time you find a little hidden artifact, you get like a 30-second to one-minute, like, Wally bit. Like, you find an umbrella, and he does a little Fred Astaire dance number for a bit. Like, he, he's always doing some kind of, like, physical comedy interacting with the item that you've found, which gives you much more incentive to track these things down than yes. to just, like, oh, just be a and completist then, and find everything. Just like in the movie, he puts it in his lunchbox and gets back to work. Exactly. <laughs> we, we found a plunger, and that was great. Was I cute. immediately was like, oh, go for the face, go for the face. And then it just cuts to him, like, with a first-person <laughs> perspective of the plunger getting closer and closer to the eyes. And I was like, yes. Yeah. This is I mean, what I wanted. I'm not sure if it happens later. I would imagine it doesn't. But this is not a game with any combat. Yeah. You know, because that's not really the nature of this game. It is just going kind of more for a puzzle platforming area where you need to collect everything in a certain level before you can progress. And some of that takes a little lateral thinking. So, like... 
you need to find all the blue cells and you need to do that by busting open this door with an explosive crate and then you need to do a trick off the half pipe to get to this higher area yeah so it's a nice blend of kind of reflex and logical yeah and it's like from the later uh from what i can gather is that as you start getting antagonists it does that thing that kind of like there were a lot of games that would do that, like Spyro, stuff like that, where you would yeah. start to have sequences that were, there's going to be one sequence that's different from the rest of the game, uh, and there's going to be a few different sequences that are different of like, hey, now this one is this one is a chase where yeah. you are just trying to chase the thing, uh, stuff like that. Um, what I really like about it as a person who grew up in a big family is that it had a seamless like passing the controller from yeah. person to person it was a really it was really easy to play this game in a cooperative manner uh versus um like some other games which you know you like you're like no you can't you can't have the controller yet <laughs> i've got some momentum here but yeah yeah this one you're right this one is very segmented it's kind of episodic in that way but uh you know i, I was never bored and i found myself wanting to go back and play the rest of this mm. like i feel yeah. like i can beat this game pretty reasonably but like it doesn't feel like it's insulting your intelligence. It's not aged down so much that like you can't enjoy it as an older person. Yeah. And as a person who is jump challenged, uh-huh. it was not bad. No, like, you, you got on board. Like yeah. this, this has some unique jumping mechanics too, and you kind of got on board with that pretty easily. Like he does a very small little jump, but it's not going to get you up on any platforms without the help of some ramps. And you have a little meter indicating your momentum. So you need to pay attention to how fast you're going and how yeah. much momentum you have going into these jumps. You know, so there is a little bit of trial and error to it. But I think we all got on board with it pretty yeah. quickly. I, I think the only thing that was at times difficult was just the camera controls. Uh, the camera angles that were available to you. Um, definitely not the worst I'd ever seen. But there were a few times where like if you're up against a wall or something... Uh, the camera might move in a way and you'd be a little disoriented from yeah. it. But uh, definitely not something that I would say the game struggled with. No. Uh, I think that might just be like the biggest negative. Uh, and it wasn't big. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a pretty minor uh, irritation, annoyance, as opposed to it being something that actually like plagues the game and makes right. it difficult. Like. Some games throughout the PlayStation 2 era, as they were figuring things out, uh, dealt with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have a lot of sample uh, exclusives for PS2 era games for the show, but like the ones we played have been pretty good. Like, yeah. including yeah. the Polar Express game, shockingly, <laughs> was like kind of better than the movie. Scarface was pretty good. Like, there there were some good games in this era. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so maybe this is kind of the sweet spot for our show of like when <laughs> they're still putting a little bit of energy to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Before they've sort of give up. But um, before the games industry became as uh, much of a corporate hellscape as it is currently. A little um, bit. A little bit. Yeah. No, but Wally the video game is a kind of a soft recommend for me. Like yeah. I think this is a this is a very enjoyable little game. I think this is something you can play uh, all ages and have a good time with it. And it's not going to take up so much of your time that you're going to feel overburdened burdened and uh it provides just the right level of challenge for you to feel like yeah made it worth your while i think a good representation of this was i had in my quick searching i had found a reddit post and it was somebody posting to the playstation 2 reddit uh less than a year ago saying that they found a copy for two dollars at goodwill and uh had a great time yeah they said it, it genuinely reminded them of the games that they enjoyed when they played during the PlayStation 2 era. Absolutely. Um, and they were like, hey, if you see it hanging around, it's worth picking up. No, I would I would second that. Um, do we have any final thoughts about Wally before we move on to our rankings? I feel like I have a lot of thoughts, but <laughs> I think they're I think I'm good. I'm, I might be listening to the soundtrack on the way home. I'm really like uh, yeah. as a person who likes to score um, live theater, like I really feel like I've slept on the Wally soundtrack. Yeah. I, I really like it. It feels very distinctive, and like I really like that Peter Gabriel song in the end credits too. Mm-hmm. Like I think that one's uh, slept on a little uh, bit too. What's the style of music? Because I I don't know when they get to the ship to the Axiom, and the kind of the plucky guitar. Uh, yeah, I know what you're. I know what yeah. you're thinking. Like I don't know what they call it, but there is a nice blend of kind of 
technological sounds and natural like acoustic sounds or orchestral sounds like it's not full techno it's not like full bleeps and bloops but there's enough of a bleep and bloop kind of factor to make it feel futuristic and about robots you know so yeah very nice score by thomas newman uh well let's move on to our rankings is this a good game good movie bad game bad movie or somewhere in between um i'm gonna say good on both i liked both of these i think this movie is wonderful oh, it's endlessly watchable is the term staccato. i think I was looking for. okay all um, right where it's just like uh quick guitar notes quick like acoustic little guitar notes and it was just such a fun variance in the soundtrack it was a good time yeah sorry to interrupt no no absolutely uh i am yeah i'm gonna say uh good movie good game uh, for both of these. i'm gonna say good movie fun game i i don't feel like i've played it enough to actually just be like good good but sure. like but I was on the edge of my seat because I really wanted to get to the next level. So I feel like that's making me lean towards good. I feel like it's com- it's compelling enough that you wanted to keep playing. I yeah, think that's it's a good... definitely, it was yeah. definitely compelling enough that I wanted to keep playing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, because uh, I don't do this one very often, fantastic movie. I yeah, loved yeah. this movie uh, both times it. I watched it. I think it got better the second time. Hell yeah. Um, which is hard considering where it was the first time. And it was a pretty good game. Yeah. Uh, if you like to, it has like the right balance of collecting stuff and the gameplay plays well. Yeah. So it's not super clunky. Better incentive for collecting stuff than most games offer. <laughs> like you get, Wally, you get original Wally bits. Uh, that's, that's a great incentive. Absolutely. And, and you can fire Wally's laser at stuff. You we sure didn't even can. mention the laser. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. It's a good time. He's got a little death ray, and we he doesn't get to use it very much in the movie. <laughs> he um, uses it once to, <laughs> to to make the love thing. Yeah, I think that's his main use. And then I think he lasers like a a, rest, a restriction of some kind off one of the robots. Yeah, yeah. But, very very cute. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and thank you guys for uh, rolling with the schedule change. We are planning on coming in to record uh, a different episode, which you would have already heard at this point, but uh, things got a little reconfigured, so we kind of uh, got together and watched the movie it's and the played new the game year. all at it once. Works. So, uh, but it wound up being pretty fun, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, next week, so I told you guys beforehand that we have, a, we have an episode next week that you will never guess if you were given a million guesses. You will never guess what it is. So I'm finally going to reveal Mary what we're Poppins. watching and playing next week. The Sound of Music. Oh, you're, you're nowhere close. Is this going to be a movie that we've heard of before? Probably not. Okay. Oh, okay. In, right. in good, right. There's good, uh, maybe J-Band's okay. heard of this in passing, but like I, okay. d- I doubt you know who this movie is at all. This is a 2003 movie called The Recruit, starring Al Pacino and Colin Farrell. A totally forgotten <laughs> I think espionage I've seen this movie. movie. Have you seen it? I, I think so. I have never seen it. It has a video game based on it unofficially. Okay, the game is called Ice Nine. It was based exactly on The Recruit, and then they lost the license. But the game that they released still includes character names and like follows the same plot of the movie. So I'm counting it. <laughs> Uh, so they just changed the name and we're like, they ah! just changed the name and the title, like, and the, uh, the, the, the character. We didn't names, have the rights to El Pacino's face anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be very unique to talk about for those reasons. Also because it's a first person shooter on the Game Boy. So it's going to be Game ve- our Game Boy, Boy Advance. Excuse Game me. Advance? Uh, so it's going to be an interesting and weird one. I've been curious what? to get to this one. I've what never was seen the game this movie. called again. It's called Ice Nine. Ice Nine. Yeah. So uh, okay. Yeah. So we're going to be going real deep and real weird on this one. Uh, I think this is going to have a lot of people scratching their heads, including us. But hey, we'll see. Maybe this is a hidden gem. We have no idea. Um, so thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us at cinemarcadepodcast at gmail.com. Send us a letter. We'd love to get one. Uh, follow us on our uh, social media. Check out my other show. It's called Puppet Masters Castle Freaks. I talk about horror movies there all the time. That's a lot of fun. Uh, and in the meantime, we will see you next week for The Recruit slash Ice Nine. Wally. Happy New Year. Mate, moop, moop, moop. Eva. 